Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Well, I want to welcome Sean Hockel from Microsoft Azure for Operators to Executives at the Edge. It's great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Well, if you could just help our listeners give a background about yourself, I think it'd be really appreciated. Okay, well, I'm, I've been a, around the MEF for a number of years now uh, with a couple of different companies, actually. So most recently, I joined Microsoft to lead the, uh, their 5G strategy effort as they seek to bring the power of the cloud to the core network itself. And so I think traditionally, you know, the cloud's been involved in managing the back or helping with the back office efficiency and helping with um, with launching new products and services that can be, you know, delivered over high quality connectivity. But most recently, we've been uh, exploring the use of the cloud for the, the core network itself, the, the fe features and functions, you know, in tandem with the evolution of the industry overall to software based solutions. And so that's been a, an exciting journey. Um, and prior to that, I, uh, I for, sat at uh, Verizon for a number of years running a product for the business group there, uh, in which case, the, the, obviously, all the work that the MEF does around Ethernet standardization, as well as the newer work they're doing on, on SD-WAN and uh, secure network as a service has been incredibly important because that was uh, where a lot of the new opportunity was coming from and the stuff our customers was after. So obviously, incredibly, incredibly important work and very proud to be part of the, the MEF and the work that they're doing there. Oh, thank you. That's that's a great compliment coming from you. So what exactly is this 5G? Why is 5G so exciting and why does Azure for Operators believe this is a real important time? Yeah. So as, as operators are looking to upgrade from 4G to 5G, obviously, that's a, a generational technology change. And in the process of doing that, they're looking for ways... Uh, to reduce back office complexity, to to drive more revenue out of the out of the uh, out of the network. So basically, sort of both of modernizing the network, which they started with sort of the you know the concepts of NFVI and, and SDN, and uh, and expand on that to include more automation and eventually the adoption of potentially cloud you know the cloud economics resource. And then on top of that, there's a strong desire to to uh, leverage the power of software to improve observability to start with. And once you've got observability done, when you can see what's going on in the network, there's obviously a strong push towards automation. Um, I think what we've seen with the, the move to virtualized solutions is you've seen a decrease in capital costs. Unfortunately, there's been a complexity level in that that has increased sort of the OPEX cost. And people are now looking for more simplified models, which means a lot more automation, uh, a lot more integration across those features. And that's obviously an area that cloud technology has traditionally been strong in. You couple that with, with sort of the, you know, the service-based architecture of 5G, um, which is an inherently cloud-friendly architecture. And there's a lot of opportunity to leverage cloud technology um, to, uh, to drive the efficiency and the effectiveness of the network. And so I think we're, we're quite excited about that. And then you couple that with the, some of the features in 5G, like network slicing and uh, just the exposed, you know, the, the, the API exposure uh, that it enables um, from the core network itself, that, that's going to tend to send to bring together the compute and the network element even more. Uh, so it's a sort of natural progression to bring, not, not only as you sort of bring the application layer together, that you see that the underlying infrastructure layer converges as well. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting space. 
Okay, so I think what you're saying is in the API front, so basically with 5G, you can have all these new digital transformational use cases, and there'll be probably IoT types of devices or you know, all kinds of AI, ML and everything, and they will want to make API calls directly to the network or the 5G to maybe ask it for redefining the resources or and there's many probably use cases. So can you help us? I think yeah, that's no, absolutely. probably the, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the big assignments. So, so, you know, one of the differences between 4G and 5G is that 5G inherently supports a broader base of service ranges. The service, slight, you know, the slicing allows you to reallocate resources in the network um, based on the, you know, sort of the consumption characteristics of the underlying service, which is very different than, than sort of the way previous generations of networks were built, where they were really built around sort of servicing voice in the case of 3G or servicing broadband data yeah. in the case of 4G. 5G has you know, EMBB, which is, you know, enhanced mobile broadband, which is, again, just a bigger case for, for, for broadband access. But you start to look at things like MMTC, massive machine type communication, yeah. where you're, you're, you're collecting large amounts of data from very small devices scattered over a broad range of, of locations or, you know, URLLC, ultra reliable low latency communication, which is really designed around, um, you know, building networks to support mission critical performance sensitive applications that, that need a defined response response characteristic typically industrial scenarios and iot scenarios is what that fits into plus whatever else people could dream up and yeah, just exactly. the next set of slices i mean that's just a, it's a capability there so hopefully you know 5g will spark an evolution in terms of, of just the different types of services that are offered over the network uh, you couple that with just the inherent exposed programmability of the network that, that, that that's available because it's more software based uh, it has you know defined exposure functions, and you've got the ability for programmers, you know, the developer community, to reach into the network and specify what they need from the network in terms of performance for their app. And I think that'll you know as people look to exploit that and look to 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 use that to build the next generation of services, it's a real opportunity for the carrier or the operator community to to further monetize their network, which is obviously an important thing as they look to, to seek new revenue streams from five G. That, that actually makes total sense. So I, I really like that because I think that's really the opportunity ahead that, ahead that basically there's all kinds of new scenarios that can happen now when you have this fiber-like quality that's in wireless and it has all the performance characters that you can request and get it. And I think the applications now, you can innovate very rapidly on this 5G technology. And so could you go into more about slicing? You talked about slicing. What is networks? What is slicing in general? So and network slicing in, in, in general, the purists will get me because it's, it's a complex know. subject you're reducing to a very simple explanation is if you think about it today, the network itself is designed around delivering services for one sort of scenario. It's you, you deliver, um, you know, the latency, the jitter, the, 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 the amount of resources allocated to a particular call is pretty much organized around a single scenario, right? General internet usage. And um, with network slicing, you have the ability to logically divide up the resources in the network um, such that you can provide different response characteristics, different um, different amounts of resources allocated within the network to the service. And so instead of, you know, allocating a, a ton of bandwidth and, 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 and lots, you know, in a certain level of responsiveness for, say, a consumer broadband or even a AR, VR scenario, um, 
you know, if you need to do that, great. You, you know, you turbocharge the network to do that. If you need smaller amounts of resources on a cheaper basis, uh, then being able to create a slice that sort of gives a, you know, more limited response with less resource consumption, but a much lower cost is a, you know, a big boon to someone looking to do uh, IoT type uh, scenarios where they, you know, the demands of the, of the communication isn't quite, you know, isn't as high. And so um, network slicing really allows the carriers to tailor the network around the end user application, thus opening up a broader range of services they can potentially offer. And so it's sort of, you know, you can think of it as quality of service on steroids. I think that's probably an oversimplified analogy, but because uh, it dumbs it down past where it, where it actually really can go. But it does, it does really provide the ability to super tune the network around specific service sets. So how would this network slicing, well, how do you see it working now with SD-WAN? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's some of the exciting work that the MEF is doing is, is, is really mapping. You know, in the end, you know, users don't really care whether, you know, what, what the underlying connectivity or access method is. And so if you can get uh, consistent behavior or service across, whether it's a wireline service, whether it's, you know, consumer broadband or, or you can get, you know, uh, that service over traditional business type services versus you know 5g wireless just making use of whatever connectivity is available and you can get a sort of consistent response with the network i think that's super important so essentially uh from a, especially from an enterprise perspective sd-wan almost becomes the selection method for the application to, to map to a particular um to a particular slice and i think the work that the mef is doing around unifying that is, is super interesting oh that's great what, what about how does the wireless slice, because, you know, we think of slicing as being very 5G predominant, and then it's built into the standard, right? So how does that translate going into the fixed wireless, fixed wired assets? Like you want to go end-to-end -end and you want that performance characters to go throughout the wired network. Um, I mean, I know we're working uh, with with MEF with our... Uh, profiles. Yeah, and I think that's that's the kind of areas where I think the the, the MEF can help um, lay those scenarios out because that's the transition point between what's sort of traditionally been the, the wireless, wireless domain. or wireline domain to wireless domain, and and um, thinking mapping those through is going to be important. Um, in a lot of cases, I think people see fixed wireless as a consumer broadband replacement. So again, it get allocated its own particular slice. Yeah. SD-WAN over top of that helps super optimize for the applications traversing that. So, so I think they're a good combination of technologies. And I think some of those scenarios that people are working through right now uh, will be interesting. And of course, you know, then you add over top of that the need for security. And, and that's another set of work that the, that the MEF is doing that I think is very, very important is simplifying that structure and working through how SASE will play out in, in, in that arena. And so, so you've got a lot of super interesting technologies with a strong use case around that, particularly with you know the work at home trend. Anything that gets you know embeds security deeper into the network and makes it simpler, um, makes it more consistent is going to be attractive overall to the to the business community in particular. Increasingly, I think the consumer community is becoming aware of security as a challenge as well, and uh, and that work has is, is, has been incredibly important. I think you know consistency among carriers just helps accelerate adoption. So just shifting subject, Azure for operators, you have a 5G core that's built inside your cloud, right? Yeah. In Azure cloud. Yeah. And then you probably offer uh, any, any kind of managed offering of private 5G. Can you use your 5G core? Is that yeah, kind of so, a big so use essentially case? Azure for operators is a broad term that just talks about the use of cloud technology for the network. And then with Azure, within Azure for operators, we have a number of offerings. 
Uh, one that we recently announced called AODS, Azure Operator Distributed Services, is a hybrid cloud met specifically for telecom workloads. Okay. So that's something that, that you know, when we say cloud, it doesn't necessarily mean public cloud only. You know, Microsoft has long been a proponent of hybrid, of hybrid cloud. Yeah. So a mix of on-premise and, 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 and cloud-based resources with a common cloud layer, you know, common cloud control layer, common cloud services, so you can invoke the services from anywhere, common management across that. That's really the core of, of the ability to use the cloud to support t- of telco-grade workloads. Then around that, we have the option for folks to buy, you know, we, we, with the acquisitions of a firm to Metaswitch, uh, we have a f- first party packet core that, okay. that, that uh, people can use. Uh, voice technology, IMS, TAS, SBC, um, those, those technologies as well um, available on top of that. And then we're increasingly seeing offerings wrapped around, you know, you take, leveraging Microsoft's technology uh, to build out AI ops and observability. Um, uh, over top of that, so leveraging the cloud to to process network statistics um, and, and build more observability. That together makes Azure for operators. Now we do have a private mech offering, which allows you to bring the Azure, you know, the Azure Core five G core together with Azure Compute to offer a a private enter, you know private mech solution, um, private edge compute solution. But on top of that, we're also very happy to partner with our peer group. So it's, we're just as equally happy to have our friends at Ericsson and Nokia run on, on, on the, the cloud. Uh, you know, it's Microsoft has always been about software and consumer choice. And so, you know, this is, you know, we want to provide the basic platform that is carrier grade that allows people to run their network workloads and then give them software choice. And if they want to use, you know, obviously in-house Microsoft software is awesome, but equally awesome is, is the, is the use of, of the solutions for, that our partners at Ericsson or Nokia uh, and others uh, provide. And so uh, that's been a, a real interesting journey for us as people uh, make those decisions. And, you know, the whole space of private, private mobile edge compute is, is interesting. There's a lot of emerging cases. You mentioned fixed, fixed wireless, um, fixed um, use cases, are, you know, emerging around some of the use of these next generation wireless technologies. And it, uh, it gets, uh, you know, pretty interesting pretty fast in terms of just the capabilities that are created. So what about like, you know, these industrial 4.0 use cases, industry 4.0 use cases, smart warehouse, smart factories, will private 5G play a critical role in there? Will it use your core in the back end? Yeah, you know, so 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 obviously a lot of that stuff is in its infancy, but um, we're seeing what we've seen sort of a lot of talk about and then but what we're seeing actual implementations on now is the use of private networks combined with private compute in say for example locations that don't have good connectivity or cloud access today so say oil rigs um, we you know we recently showcased some work we're doing at TampNet where uh, we were able to deploy uh, edge compute along with private networks onto oil rig facilities in the North Sea and, and essentially you know, that leads to a connected facility, in which case you can put condition-based maintenance, high-value asset tracking, you know, all of those, those industry 4.0 use cases wrapped around that. So that creates the basis for that. You know, we're working very closely with an airport in EMEA where they want to, you know, retain Wi-Fi for use by their commercial, you know, by their customers. Um, but they want the security, the coverage, and the reliability of private networking for all their ground flight, op- you know, their ground flight operations. Um, and uh, and so they're using those private networks for 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 coverage there. You see a lot of that, uh, you know, increasingly at venues are becoming um, 
you know, stadiums, et cetera, are, are also uh, using uh, an increasingly large amount of that technology to support um, scenarios like that. And so, uh, you know, the first and then finally manufacturing really seems to have taken off in terms of, of, of use of the of the technology. There's, you know, whether it be condition based maintenance, um, high, you know, video QA for production and worker safety. Um, those, you know, I think it's combined with the fact that a lot of, uh, you know, manufacturers are looking at embedding connectivity into what they create, right, as, as a consumer good um, has really spurred a lot of interest there. And then the automotive sector is obviously, uh, you know, an, an exciting area that I think we're going to see developments come out of. Uh, there are a lot of talk about what they can do there and what a connected car, you know, beyond the traditional sort of, you know, services you see in cars today can be. I think it's going to be, a, you know, a couple We'll see a year or two before we see some of that stuff come to fruition, but there's definitely a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of work being done there. But there's still, uh, you know, lots of room for for growth and opportunity there. Uh, you know, people are really just getting their feet wet in it now. Um, agriculture is another place you see a lot of activity because again, you've got facilities that where there's a lot of value in gathering data and a lot of value in in, in analysis of that data, but uh, not a lot of great connectivity or access to the cloud, edge compute. Um, solves for both of those. Edge computes and private networks solve for both those problems. Well, you certainly are involved in lots of great use cases and scenarios and really advancing the industry. So kudos to you. I wanted to just, but when wrapping up, how do you see standards play? Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're with the MEF and with, on the board, and how do you see standards playing? Yeah, I, it's standards becoming, as, as more pieces come together, as more piece parts come together, as more different disparate services are, are integrated and are required to sort of underpin more complex scenarios, um, trying, to, trying to, there becomes a certain amount of friction when there isn't standardization. So it means every time you introduce a new partner or a new, new technology component, if you're, if you're having to figure out how to integrate that and, 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 and get policy to work consistently across all of that, uh, it becomes almost too heavy of a load, right? The integration effort outweighs the, the value of the, of the end solution. And so I think the standards work help in sort of two, two, from two perspectives. They make individual solutions easier to build out, easier to innovate with, you know, easier to integrate different disparate technologies together. And then more importantly, from an industry perspective, um, it helps the, the carrier community or the service provider community reach out to the developer community because it, enforces a certain level of, of consistency of behavior across the network. So, you know, MEF and, you know, MEF in terms of the behavior, you know, standardizing the service definitions around SD-WAN, which can be very confusing for different enterprises. Um, some of the work we're doing in other forums like uh, Kamara and the GSMA, where we're standardizing network APIs, all of those uh, become important because essentially what it does is has a carrier community presenting a common set of capabilities to the developer community who are always interested in building at scale, right? They don't want to, you know, they don't build individual applications for individual networks, right? right? And having to build individual applications that are very reliant on custom infrastructure, say at an enterprise level, is, is hard to achieve scale. And a lot of the benefit from, from uh, these services, and, you know, 5G itself is geared around sort of executing these industry flood auto scenarios at scale, um, becomes super important. And uh, so I think from a from a just jet, from an industry perspective, standards help it achieve scales. You proved out during you know the carrier through net effort standardization proved out that you could achieve scale uh, better with with standardized with a standardized set of responses. And I think that same logic 
plays itself through both SD-WAN as well as through uh, some of the, the broader secure network as a service um, uh, opportunities that are out there. Well, I, you know, Sean, it's always a pleasure to have you, pleasure to work with you, and I, we get so much great insight from you. And I want to thank you for joining us on this podcast at Executives at the Edge. So thank awesome. You. Pascal, thanks, thanks for having me. Always, always happy to talk.